Hey, Slackers, I'm Matt. And I'm Jesse. We host American Slacker, the show that keeps you updated on all of the weirdest news around the globe, along with what's going on in the world of Xbox, music and movie suggestions, and fun interactive games. Every other week, we bring on interesting guests from all walks of life, from filmmakers to musicians, funeral directors to small business owners, and even Jeff Goldblum. What? No. We never got Goldblum, man. Oh, a man can dream, can't he? American Slacker Podcast. New episodes every Wednesday. Available on Spotify, iTunes, and all of your smart devices. Or anywhere else, you know, you might happen to cop a podcast. They're downloading MP3s, not buying an eighth. I'm shutting this shit down. That's it. There you go. Special guest uh, Cole McDonald. Hello, Cole. Hey, how's it going? Um, we're kind of we're skyping, so how you're a little bit farther north of me in Minnesota than I am. Are you still kind I'll, of? Warm? I'll talk louder. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. It's a little windy. <laughs> Snow is almost gone. Right, the snowmobiling. You have to put that away for a couple months, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cole, uh, we actually met at uh, Crypticon. Yes, we did. Uh, and uh, it's just fabulous that we kind of latch on for all this stuff. And if you want to just give my listeners a little bit brief, little history of you, with video and film. Yeah. Um, Before you get started, of course. Yeah. No problem. I uh, I, I guess I was uh, working a job that gave me ridiculous money. <laughs> um, however, well, ridiculous for me, coming from delivering pizza, I guess, but. Uh, yeah. I uh, I couldn't leave town because we had uh, contractual obligations to our customers that we had five minutes network access to the servers that I was in charge of and half an hour to hands-on at any point in time. Right, right. So I had money and needed a hobby that was expensive. I, 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 I like that idea. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, this is kind of right as digital video was starting to become, you know, an accessible kind of thing. Not the VHS, but the actual straight into the computer kind of stuff. And uh, prior to that, were you working kind of like, were you using film and video kind of like filming uh, more of the hobby? Like just uh, home video stuff? I had kind of dabbled in it here and there you know okay. um we found a vhs camera and me and my friends made a stupid little sketch thing and um my dad had done some wedding video work and i'd worked on him with that and yeah we just i don't know it was it was something that i understood and then when the opportunity came to find something to do i watch a lot of movies in general okay yeah um it, purely for entertainment kind of purposes and had started once I started learning how movies came together. It ruined watching movies for me for a while. Oh, because kind of like it's kind of like revealing the the magic behind it, kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah, the curtain gets pulled back, and suddenly you're going, "Well, that light's out of place, and <laughs> that blocking's <laughs> off, and hey, you're out of focus. Oh, your sound guy screwed up." <laughs> <laughs> So, well, working on film and history, what kind of kind of you give me a little background, like what have what kind of like done short films and all that stuff, like scary movies or? Yeah, I started out doing a lot of horror because horror is really fun and easy to make. Sure, sure. Um, and it was all horrible, like not like gur scary horror, but like kind of unwatchable. <laughs> and I, I think that's really common for filmmakers starting out is that you go into it going, "I'm going to make a film. It's going to be awesome," and then you make something and you go, "Uh." Right. I should probably learn how to do this better. 
Right. Yeah. And uh, so we we started out with I had made a thing for a friend's wedding, and it was a stupid little silent film, and it was kind of fun to to make. We just sat in his backyard with a VHS camcorder, and we made a little story about he, a fictional story about he and his wife and how they met. Um, had to do with lettuce and a rabbit. Um, <laughs> really. It, it was ridiculous um but it was really fun to make you know and, and yeah. to sit there and edit and then we came up with the the interstitial titles the, the the title cards between the little scenes um and that was a really fun process as well we ended up uh just kind of we had a, a puppet a rabbit puppet and we got a nice close-up on it with his hand in it and just moving its mouth and then we invented things for it to say which were all dumb but I'm yeah. sure um, it's a great learning process. It's a much more better learning process than sitting in a classroom, I imagine. It, it was, and I've done some of that after that as well. It, it, when I was working that job, um, I ended up with a little bit of time to kill and you know, the equipment now to make these films. And um, I went up to my friend and I said, I'm going to make a film. You in? He said, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and uh, we started doing it. And uh, we got around to it in 120-page script, and we ended up making a uh, a feature film, which is not the way I recommend starting. No, right. We talked about. I think we talked about Crypticon because I was wor- working my comic book, and it's a massive novel. And we talked about usually, you, yeah, you want to start small before you want to do big instead of doing big, and then yes, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I would argue it's exactly the right way to start. Well, because you make all of your mistakes at once, the problem is you then have to deal with a huge quantity of mistakes. Sure, sure, yeah. We're this close to finishing that, and we filmed that 20, 25 years ago. Did, do you remember what the title is? Average Joe. Average Joe. And do you have like a digital copy or like a VHS tape copy of it? Uh, it's it's all digital. Um, we, we haven't cut all the scenes together, and we just kind of... At this point, it's far enough along, and um, I had imported all of the footage wrong, so I had to, every cut I made, I had to re-render the film. Okay. And so if I made an edit, it was another hour till I could make a, another edit. All right, all right, all right. And I'm from what I'm gathering is, I'm sure through all the mistakes and learning process, you still enjoy making movies. I do, and, and actually a lot of what we did was... Um, we took that process and took all of our screw-ups and me and my buddy sat down, put it up on screen in whatever state it happened to be at that time. And we looked at it and we went, okay, what's the worst thing we did? Let's fix that one on our next thing, but let's make a shorter thing. And so we started getting into like the 48 film hour, 48 hour film project. Yes, And that yes, became yeah. our, our learning vehicle for the next year or two. And then we found a couple others like, um, uh, there's a film racing, um, 48-hour film racing, 50-hour, 100-hour film racing. I don't remember how long it was. Um, we had an entire weekend to shoot, which was lovely. Um, we found a horror competition that was based in the UK. And out of 100 entries, we ended up taking 10th in that. So we got laurels for that, and that was kind of cool. And that was a project called Deathbed, and that was the first one that we really concentrated on lighting. How did you find uh, the one in UK? Um, Just searching? At the time, I was to do a lot of my learning, I was on um, do-it-yourself filmmaking forums, which were a big thing at the time. Sure. And uh, I ended up as a moderator on IndieTalk.com, uh, I-N-D-I-E. Uh, I'm sure it's still around in whatever form it is. Uh, but um, as a moderator on there and an administrator, um I was kind of, I had worked my way up to that by doing thousands of posts after I started being able to answer questions instead of ask them. Um, and I, I guess we uh, invited people to come and kind of advertise their events, and this was one that was advertised there. So what kind of, if you give yourself uh, a title, what kind of in, round do you just generally consider yourself just a filmmaker or like a film worker what kind of title would you kind of regard yourself I, I think we all start as filmmaker okay yeah in, in independent film at least because you go in saying i'm going to be the director but the cameraman doesn't show up 
the sound guy forgot to bring batteries and he has to go home, but then he decides not to come back. (laughs) (laughs) You end up in front of camera because you really need a couple more people in this shot. So you get your crew in there. Uh, We actually have a scene we did on a short for a, a film class at, uh, I went to St. Cloud State University, and I actually have a film degree from St. Cloud State University. Yes, yeah. Uh, that happened after I learned how to make films, though. Um, so one of the projects I did for a, a film uh, critique class was to make a film. Uh, and we didn't have enough people to be in this pool hall. And so I had my camera oper- operator and I wanted to both be in the same shot. And so... As I walked off camera, he was going to walk onto camera. We did a live handoff of the camera while it was running. Oh. And we used the whole shot, and it was wonderful. Oh, I could just, yeah, that's, how'd you come up with that idea? Uh, we, it was just a, there was a problem. The problem was we really want to do this in one shot because we want to show uh, this kind of uh, queen in charge of this pool hall, whatever, um, just kind of gangster lady. Um, it was a weird premise um, that she was just sitting and watching everything happen. Okay. Okay. And so we had established in earlier shots that I was playing pool at one table. He was playing pool at a different table. And there was all of this stuff. We ended up playing pool together. And so we, uh, we needed to show both of us in the same shot with her watching us right. both. Right, yeah. And, and it yeah. was just, it was a solution to a problem. And that's everything on set ends up being, we have a problem, what do you do? Well, yeah, when last time we, we spoke, we talked about, you know, independent movie making and as well as uh, anything independent is more of problem solving than... Yeah, yeah very much. Yeah, than actually getting a product done is working out how are you going to navigate this problem and that problem yeah yes yeah so you regard yourself as all kinds of things you're most like an editor uh director and all that i have done every single job on set really yes um so with that kind of experience like even gaffing and all that stuff and i specifically am uh currently an independent chief lighting technician lighting is really the thing that i love to do okay okay and it's a it's also it's a it's a little piece that isn't focused on much at least in minnesota independent film but i think in a lot of independent film uh indie i'll say indie film not independent film i think independent film starts to have a budget yeah when you get into the stuff that ends up on like ifp but i i there's another category that's a little bit more than student filmmaker in terms of effort and experience, and that's indie filmmaker, which is not affiliated with a school, but kind of the same thing. And then at the bottom, it's not necessarily a, this one's better than that one. Yeah. It's just a amount of equipment access and learning that you have. There's guerrilla filmmaker, student filmmaker, indie filmmaker, and independent filmmaker. And then there's the Hollywood folk. Sure, sure, sure. And so, guerrilla filmmaker, you're a person with a camera out making something visual. Do you uh, you ever entertain the idea of doing like documentaries? I have done documentaries. Oh, you have? Okay. Yep. We actually, um, I did one for uh, an anthropology class. That was the, uh, uh, it was uh, Native American representation in film and media. And uh, we ended up making a documentary. I had a couple of the students ask if I would help them make um, a film about their experience uh, going and finding their heritage and, you know, that experience that they were having. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we ended up shooting a bunch of interviews. And uh, it's actually on my – it's on Facebook as Identifying Indian – Okay, and, so let, me get, yeah. let me get this for my listeners. Identify as Indian on Facebook. Identifying Indian. I'll type it in here. Okay. All right. There you go. 
All right. All right. And so if anybody's interested in it and have Facebook, you can certainly find it that way. Yeah. And I, I think it turned out pretty well. I'm actually really happy with it. Um, we had a lot of footage of the interview stuff. And I worked as a technical advisor because one of the things that they covered in that class was um, a lot of Native American representation in film up till up until like the YouTube and digital revolution of filmmaking has been white people and white crews talking about Native Americans and coming in and doing that. And so I wanted to have as little voice as possible in it. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I like that. And so the one of the participants of uh, this project uh, has been working at discovering his heritage uh, as Native American, working through that, and he was kind of the the director of it. And so we sat down and we took the time to type all of the dialogue that we had captured in, and we went through and we decided um, kind of a flow for the conversation that he wanted to have. Yeah, and I think if documentaries you need, you have to think about it because you are going to be interviewing people. Yeah, yeah, and, and we had it so that rather than being a somebody speaks about something and says what you're about to hear in an interview, we found pieces that one experience led into another interviewer's experience, and we did the entire documentary that way. Nice, nice. And it ends up with this kind of conversational flow to it, which was really nice. And so I ended up editing what he. I guess wrote out of the the documentary pieces that we had gathered. Uh, do you kind of also um, do your free time watch documentaries? Um, I do. Um, I've been i I have watched many many documentaries on um a lot of different topics. Sure. I guess there's a bunch out there, right? Yeah, yeah, and and they're really good. There's a lot of really good ones, and there's some really bizarre ones. Um, some of the conspiracy ones are fun. (laughs) You can stay up all night watching those, right? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Do um. So, when you're not making movies, what are you doing? Um, I'm a server administrator and an automation programmer. Okay, so you're you're on your computer most of the time. Yep, I am. <laughs> um, I early on, um, I really liked making things with computers. This is in the kind of mid late seventies ish. Um, I started having access to computers a little bit earlier because one of our family friends ran the computer lab at St. Cloud State, which at the time was a giant mini computer with teletypes and punch cards, and I had to learn Fortran to use it. And nowadays, you can. It's pretty much everything is on a computer, and people. I'm, I'm sitting in a room right now with at least a dozen computers, including my phone, <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. Does it kind of make you feel at home if you're around a computer a little bit? I I am. Um, I, I so I really liked creating things with them, and at the time, in order to use them, you had to be able to fix them as well because there really weren't places to go to fix them. Right. Yeah. Especially hot hardware style. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, you had a soldering iron, you had to do a RAM upgrade, you unsoldered the old RAM chip, you put the new one in, you resoldered it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, actual hardware hacking kind of stuff. And because of that experience, when it came time to get, I guess, a, a non-driving-based job, um, I at that point, I ended up uh, getting a job doing, I guess customer support um yeah com- computer support so going um from desk to desk of my users and going hey how's your day going what can i help you with today and they'd go oh my monitor is doing something weird or my keyboard doesn't work or you know the cup holder in my in my computer is uh not pushing in again and it's almost it's, it's almost like a cd tray right it's almost like <laughs> when you when you work computers it's almost like you solving a puzzle isn't it it is, um, but I, I don't like fixing them as much as I like making stuff, which is how I, I kept getting into programming was I, I was always raised with the computer should do the stupid tasks for you. Right, yes, yes. And so at work, I have a motto that if I have to do something a second time, I don't want to do it a third. I, I like that motto. Can I, write, can I use that? For my cl- yeah. I, I like please that. do. Yeah. The world would be a better place. 
If I have to do it twice, I do not want to do it. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I, th- that's how I got into automation uh, programming is I started scripting um, systems to do that third time so I didn't have to do it anymore. Okay. And fairly recently, that has become a huge job market. Right, right, right. Within the last, what, a couple of years? Yeah, and I've been doing it for three decades. <laughs> Did you ever, like, interested in giving, like, tutorials on that? I, I have taught classes. Um, I have programming tutorials online. Oh, really? uh, uh, teaching specifically PowerShell, okay. which is Microsoft's new scripting language. Fairly new, like 10 years. All right. I like that. I Because uh, especially for people like me who are not, I don't say, uh, fluent in computers, it, I think it helps when you can learn yourself and somebody explains it to you as better than just, you know. Yeah. And, and I, broke, I break it down. I uh, Over the time, I've used so many different kinds of computers and I've had to learn you know, all different operating systems, they're all kind of the same thing to me now. Um, and I found it the same after, like, the first four programming languages. I went, oh, I need to know these five things in order to use this programming language. And so this covers those five things in PowerShell. Uh, the company name that I work for is Beyond Impact. Uh, and ironically, that blog entry has a lot of movie references in it. you got to be kidding me, really? Oh, yeah. It's a, <laughs> I, it's um I needed I needed a way to lighten the mood and do a lot of humor. <laughs> and I'm just chock full of eighties pop culture, so so <laughs> a lot of that ended up in there. <laughs> Don't tell me you have a Rubik's Cube in your office, do you? I will not tell you that I have a Rubik's Cube in my office. <laughs> so with all the um your knowledge about uh computers and software and digital as well as film, have you ever um, done an idea for animation? Um, I have done some. I, I'm really bad at it. Um, we, we did a um, we did the film racing project, hundred hours. It was a hundred hour film racing project, and okay. we ended up uh, with a script about a post apocalyptic world that was kind of steampunky, and um, that one's called Scavengers. Uh, that was up on my. Um, facebook as well for yaffe underground which is my production company and um what the, i'm we, sorry what's it again uh yaffe underground it's you asked for it underground you asked for it underground okay yep yaffe All right. and uh we i guess I, I was on set and i had it said in the in the script that they flew in on, on an airship and everybody's like, yeah, it's just going to happen off camera. We're going to imply it or talk about it or something. I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm going to show it. So you run toward that barn and there's a giant dirigible coming out from behind it and you see it and you know what it is and you're scared of it. Go. <laughs> All the time in my head going, boy, I hope I can pull this off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we ended up um, filming uh, one of a, the writer, actually, of this piece, uh, Will Vincent, had uh, bashed together um, a pirate ship model and okay. a jet model. Like an actual physical model. Yeah. Okay. Like, and then we stuck it in front of a green screen, lit it horribly. Um, I'm much better at that part now. Um, and we took a... Uh, separately in front of the same green screen we took a water balloon put it in a laundry bag that was like a large mesh thing okay i can visually see this okay and it was a giant water balloon and we hung it upside down with the the points where it would be attaching to that ship up in the air and we filmed that as well and then we flipped that over in post and composite it with that sh- airship, and then we put that over the background. We covered up the highway with the uh, bushes and stuff that were in the foreground. Um, then we uh, put the barn in front of the airship, and we had it come across, and we actually had the most effective piece of animation I did was we wanted to show how ominous this thing was, and we ended up taking that um, shape of that airship yeah. And I, I made an oval shape, and we sh- showed a piece of the main character watching um, that dirigible show up across the, the barnyard. And the way that we showed it coming in was her at the window looking, and then a giant dark oval 
just darkening a little bit, going across like a shadow is going across where she was looking. Okay. Okay. All right. And well, that shot ended up looking much more convincing than the actual animation I did showing the thing moving. <laughs> are, are you ever going to go back to animation? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to find somebody who's better at it than I am and let them do it. But I've done it. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, you have done right. Yeah. <laughs> do you, well, do you still watch animation? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm a huge uh, Pixar fan. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, especially around the late seventies when it was kind of we entertaining the idea of kind of adult animation, you know, rated R stuff and all that yep. stuff. Yeah, yep. like, like the introduction of the the magazine Heavy Metal and all their animation. So Heavy Metal was an awesome movie. <laughs> it, was, it was. I I have I, watched that a dozen or more times. <laughs> I think they did a second one, didn't they? I have no idea. Who I know there's been a cares, few right? of them that are kind of that same um, art style. Yeah. None of them were ever as successful as Heavy Metal was, though. Well, I mean, I think it's hard to explain how big of a deal it was when it came out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it was uh, animation, it was a cartoon, but it was like rated R. Yeah, and, and it had this soundtrack that was amazing, and it had huge stars in it. As voiceovers, yeah. Yeah, doing the voices like John Candy and... Yeah. It was, I just remember the the what was it the aliens that were doing drugs. Yep, <laughs> that's classic. Farm so. bladder something. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Do so. Do you still buy old copies of films? Um. So in this day of digital, um, I have a, a nice. TV in my house, a nice sound system in my house, um, and an Apple TV, which is amazing. Um, so I have, the, I guess, my older DVD collection that I've ripped a lot of it in, and I have it sitting and serving off of my Mac Mini that I added on um, out to my Apple TVs in my house so that I can watch them on the on my bigger screen. Um, but then I don't buy things digitally. Okay. I, I actually buy physical copies of Blu-rays that also come with digital. Right. Because I, as a technologist, I've seen far too many companies come and go and their file formats disappear and stop being supported. And, you know, you just can't use them anymore. Right. And, and that comes in like with streaming, right? If you rent over like something else and then they become obsolete, well, you don't have it anymore. Yeah, because I'm sure this is encoded, uh, encoded right now for uh, Ustream playback, right? I believe so. Because <laughs> when was the last time anyone actually used Ustream for real? I, I, that's a good question. Yeah, it's kind of there as a legacy format because at the time, this was the thing that was going to be. It was the only thing that compressed enough to be able to come out over modems and, you know, the beginning cable. Yeah, yeah. Do you kind of miss the VHS old days? No, it looked like it looked like crap. <laughs> it did, it did, it did. Well, what did you do with all your VHSs? If you had we still have the collection, you still do. Okay. Oh yeah, massive collection. <laughs> right. Do you do you still have like a VCR to watch them on? Absolutely. Well, that becomes my next follow up question is because they don't make them anymore and people have a tough tough time repairing and maintenance them i'm sure you're, you're well acclimated to keep maintenance of your vhr i have see. three working vhs uh decks in my house right. just in case one dies right um so we don't lose access to that and a lot of you know a lot of memories of the kids and stuff during the vhs camcorder days are are still on you know vhs cassette yeah yeah so i was going to go back to the um your whole uh, filming and um, yeah. in the selection of horror, are you still a fan of horror movies, even though like we met at Crypticon? I'm sure the answer is probably yes, but are you still you still acclimated to the horror movies? The irony is right. I have watched a ton of horror, and I just don't like it that much. Really? It doesn't scare me. Um, I've always understood how all of the gags work. I'm a very analytical person in general, so I've always gone, oh, I can see where they have a tube for the blood, and, you know, kind of all, even even when I was t 
teens and younger and whatnot is that the the mystery of that i was i was always brought up building stuff okay and so see knowing that it was make-believe my brain wanted to figure out what they were doing to make that happen on screen ah all right so you mostly watch not for entertainment value rather than how do i make that happen yeah, exactly. And a lot of what I'm working on now is um, kind of story structural stuff. Okay. Um, I think the I was re-watching a movie, a John Hughes movie, uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. Oh, yes. And, Excellent movie. Yeah. I love the soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack. Another song. Yes, another movie with great song. Um, and as I was watching that, it occurred to me that this scene played this role in the overall story. This scene played this role, this related to that. And it's all pieced together in a very specific way. And that kind of, after thousands of film watchings and, and, you know, making films and all of that, that, that little bit of that storytelling piece finally unfolded to me. And I went, Oh, I can edit things together to be more effective by, kind of using this i won't say formula although there are a lot of formulaic films yeah but you know just just understanding that each of these pieces needs to provide information to the next piece well i like that especially that isn't it the in that movie doesn't he do a portrait of her yep and in the whole building up to it is very lit very dramatic right yeah Yep, and it's a almost the resonant of the entire movie, right? It's that's something that everybody kind of mostly remembers from the movie. It's because it's just almost like allegorical. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think like most like movies, like there's certain scenes that just gravitate to you more than the overall movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's there. I mean, they're a series of our whole lives are a series of still frames in motion. Yes, right, yes. When you think back on something, you have a memory of a moment. You don't remember what you did before it necessarily or after it. It's just that moment. And so when we're editing together film, a lot of it is finding the right moments in the right order. Okay, like almost like a puzzle. I don't, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want to story. use that word again, but yeah. yeah. It, it is. It absolutely is. Um, the example, the the piece we're finishing now is called uh, Paperclip, and we're just wrapping it up, and I'm super excited about it. Um, and there's some stuff on my Facebook about that, the uh, Yaffe Underground Facebook about that. And uh, we did that with a couple of other production companies just to kind of showcase this is where we're at right now. Okay. And it's taken a long time to get it finished because we're really taking a lot of care with the edit and making sure it's as strong as we can make it. And we got that into the edit, and it read great on paper. It looked great on set. We got it into the edit. We cut it together to the script, and it was just really slow and boring. (laughs) That's not good. And well, everybody just, was, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of ready to to throw in and go. God, we we don't have the things we need. We can't do it. And what we did is we took each of those scenes and we wrote out what part of you know each person's narrative it was. Okay. It's about a half an hour short film. Okay, it's a, I'll go. That was my next. Okay, yeah. um, it's like twenty four, twenty five minutes. I don't. I'd have to look it up. Um, but we took each of those things and we put it on a colored post-it note, stuck it on the wall. And we ended up t- just as a group kind of talking through and and, and arguing and, and having this really fun, creative process of uh, awesome collaboration of looking at that and going, well, there's really a, an A and a B to this scene. There's the beginning that does this and the, there's the end that does this. If we rip this in half and each kind of serves a different purpose, then if we put A here and we use B back here, now this uh, sets this up to let this unfold, which sets this up, which then leads into that moment. Nice. Yeah. And so we ended up rearranging the entire order of everything we shot to be different than the script. And that's to do the editing process. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was so fun because we kind of storyboarded it after we shot it. 
Oh, that's, that's kind of really weird. weird. Yeah, story about Yeah, okay. um, and we found out that we needed to film one more scene to really, really tie it all together. So we ended up grabbing a camera, going out into the woods, and chasing someone through the woods um, to, to really set up all of the rest of the film. And suddenly it all made sense. Could you give us a little a little synopsis what the short film Paperclip is about? Yes, um, it's it's kind of a high school teen girl detective um, thriller kind of thing. Okay, okay, all right. I like so it. So it's got it's got fun twists in it. So I don't want to give much away at all. Oh well, who's the uh, who's who's the writer of? Did you help with the writing of it or? Um, I'm I'm not much of a writer. I can write. I just can't finish. <laughs> Okay, all right. So I don't end up doing the scripts. Um, I will help edit when it comes to that part. Okay. Um, and, I, and I will hold off for a long time until the writer has gone through a bunch of different edits. Then I will read it. I will go, here are my notes. Do what you will with them. Okay. And they'll, you know, fix based on that. I've done a bunch of script reading for indie films. And just kind of as an exercise for learning different writing styles and how to do all that and uh we uh, i don't remember the question i was just going to talk about the cast and crew of the the, the film paperclip oh yeah um yeah so we got um we ended up with uh, flight creative media um and their award-winning stuff um that they've done in the past and uh the the main primary kind of creative group was uh, Four Squares Productions, and that was um, four filmmakers that had worked in different groups that came together to kind of do this project. Okay. Um, and then Yaffe provided um, some equipment and uh, made it. The, the Yaffe Underground Productions is a um, lear- learning educational filmmaking co-op. Ah, all right. And so what we do specifically is, if people want experience on a film set. They contact us and we say, hey, we've got a film coming up. If you're interested, what part do you want to learn? And they start, you know, we kind of have the Hollywood structure to our sets. And so they'll start in a department at the bottom and then they'll get a chance to work up if they do well. And it happens like in three short films, four short films. All right. All right. So they get a strong sampling of here's the grunt work. Here's the kind of intermediate work. And here's the, the director of a department kind of work. And, and you, you can switch departments. You could say, I'd rather try art this time. Okay, let's put you on the art department and have you help out with that. And, you know, you can get a, a nice sampling of um, what you're doing. But the, once you get into a, a director of kind of position on set, yes. you're responsible for teaching that craft to the people under you. So once you achieve kind of a direct director of the picture you better be acclimated to the other components of the film yeah it really helps it really helps as a director in general to if not having done everything on set at least understanding what's done by everybody on set okay yeah even even to the person who's taking care of the extras in the green room and um, taking care of kind of the food services table because you need to know where all of that is because if you have somebody getting peckish or you've been shooting for too long you need to kind of go let's take a break for five and everybody go get a snack or something take 15 minutes get some waters so if anybody is interested in making movies um what is some of the steps that you think would you would recommend um if it's just uh Kind of uh, hit me up on Facebook, I guess. Okay. Uh, as if you're interested in working with Yafi, we don't do as many productions as we used to because we've, uh, me and my partner have gotten kind of busy and dealing with other uh, work-related things, and you know, I have. Right, I understand you when you get older. It just yeah. life has gotten crazy. Life, so, yeah. um. I guess there's that. Um, the other thing is, and I, this is part of what I did at Crypticon, was everybody now has a better camera in their pockets than I had to shoot with when I started. <laughs> everybody listening does. It's it's hard to comprehend, but yes, it's true. I mean, heads and tails better. 
what what I was shooting with a a prosumer professional five thousand dollar camera, you can get with your five hundred dollar phone. You know, you can get much more far superior pictures than I was doing at six forty by four eighty VHS, kind of that DV quality. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, which really wasn't better than VHS by much. Um, what was easier was getting it into the computer to edit. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So since you have that, take you know, just just find a story that you want to tell. Tell that story. Yeah, I like that. You know, you you take your camera and you shoot it. It's going to be horrible when you're done. <laughs> but then watch it and and critique yourself really brutally and honestly. And find the worst thing that you did and really work on improving that. Make a bunch of like two-minute short films that tell a small story and figure out how to make those stories work. I got you. Right. Yeah, and you will go into, um, I guess, filmmaking and directing with, I think, a far better sense of what it takes to actually put a story on on screen than somebody like me who came at it from a technical perspective. And I understand every technical piece, but the art, the craft of actually putting a story to be told in a way that people will watch it on screen is still stump- something that I struggle with. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and, and that piece is, is just that elusive kind of uh, lightning bug, lightning in a bottle kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're with aspects of technical stuff. You already say you got it in your hand. You can just try it out with your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And there's free editing software. There's free um, Blender dot com um, or Blender three D dot com. I don't remember which it is. Um, is a free open source. Um, really? I guess three D compositing package that they're now putting film editing into. Um, there are free versions of uh, DaVinci Resolve out there that you okay. can get your hands on le- legally, legitimately. So you have no reason to pirate any software. Just get the, the real stuff that people actually use in the industry and use it. Um, if you're on a Mac, Final Cut Pro is actually really cheap compared to what I paid for it when I first got it, which was, you know, I dropped, Apple had just lowered the price on it to $2,000 per seat. Oh my gosh, okay. And it's now $200 per seat. Right. So it's a tenth of the cost it used to be. Oh man. Yeah, it's just absolutely incredible. Or have they brought it down even more? I, I haven't checked price lately, but, you know, it. They, they bought um, Shake as a uh, compositing package. King Kong was made with this. They used it on Lord of the Rings. This massive, uh, amazing compositing package. It was $10,000 a seat. Apple bought it and released it for 3000 a seat. Oh, just from just talking with you in a few minutes, it seems that the only really blockade for anybody making their own movie is just your personal barriers you put up there's all accessibility is just out there there are no excuses technologically for not making films if you have the compulsion to make films sure right yeah um i saw um so i'm a big fan of robert rodriguez uh the spy kids and the el mariachi series yes uh, yes and, and sin city and all of that um and and uh alita battle angel recently that's him as well okay he didn't he direct that yep okay yep. and he's been producing for a chunk of time but this he directed this one after a long hiatus of not directing and just producing um and i really like his style but if you get uh, a lot of the times i buy that physical media because it has behind the scenes stuff on it and those extras i watch more intently than i watch the film now really and Robert Rodriguez always had Robert Rodriguez Film School on it. Yeah. That stuff is amazingly detailed. It, it, it 
uncovers, you know, it, it lifts the rug on all of those dirty little secrets of filmmaking of, well, here's how we hid this thing. And here's how we tricked you into doing that. And they have a, um, a version of Sin City that's all green screen with none of the compositing done. I believe I've seen snippets a little bit of when somebody was interviewing him. But, yes, it'll be very it's, interesting to see what Sin City looks without all the dressings, right? Yeah. yeah. It was really cool to see how he's moving the camera to make it look like he's in this huge space. You know, uh, El Mariachi, they talk about it. But one of the film schools I watched, he's doing a, a talk in front of a bunch of kids. And um, he says, what does it take for you to become a filmmaker? And he said, you have to go to, to a print shop and you have to have cards printed that says filmmaker with your name on it. <laughs> and that is the barrier. Figure everything else out. Make it happen. But as soon as you consider yourself a filmmaker, you are a filmmaker. I like that. Now you have to go make films. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, Cole, do you have any ideas for next projects i know that you're not really going to stop making movies no i'm actually doing um i've been hired by um some of the the smaller independent filmmakers kind of in the same i'm in the st cloud area but also in the minneapolis metro kind of area um and we they really like having somebody to handle lighting for them. And that's been the part that I've been focusing on. And you find that you find something you really like and you specialize that on that and you kind of get deeper and deeper in the weeds on that. And so um, I've been doing more of that and getting hired for it. Which Do you is kind still of nice think thing. about it when you watch movies, lighting? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yep. Trying to figure out what they're using offset to make the light happen that way. Right, yeah. So it's not just a variety. You have so many options, right, for lighting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, and, uh, but yeah, so I've been hired doing that. I recently have been working on a TV series that I can't talk about yet. Oh, well, that makes it more, we have to come back, right? Which means you have to kind of keep up and see what I've been doing so that when I talk about it on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. Ah, I like that. I like that. Ah, there's a teaser for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm doing lighting on that, but it ended up being, um, you have certain projects that you work on that are just for fun and you have other projects you work on that somewhere during it, you go, this project is actually really important and I'm happy to be part of it. I worked on a, as a PA on a production called out in the cold, uh, that was made by, um, JD O'Brien in the cities. Um, and they, it was, it was, uh, I guess their origin story for that production was, um, they, he and his buddy, uh, another filmmaking friend were sitting over beers and kind of made a bar bet, um, that the, the other guy couldn't last a month living on the streets in winter in Minnesota. I don't think I could. And okay. so they really did it as a, as a documentary to show the realities of what it is to live in, you know, the, the Arctic tundra that we live in. Right, yes. And they, um, they actually made it almost every night. They called it One Night for Safety. It was like 40 below. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And he was huddled up under a bridge, and they had to call it that night. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. So... It, it's so it was some really intense filmmaking i saw things that um that i had never i i'd known were a thing but i'd never seen it before like um all of the homeless collected in um a community center or a church to have a lottery for who got to sleep inside that night wow because there are more people than beds that's terrible and just this this brutal reality of it, and um, I guess it there there are projects you work on that are really really important and that tell a, a real story of real people and and can bring you know shed light on you know the, the realities of you know it's not just there's people out on the streets signing for money. 
that there's a reason they're there. Yeah. And that it's, they're not just, you know, coming out of their condos, going down there for their sign and then going back to their condos when they're done, you know, their, their lives aren't as easy as that. And to actually see that live was, it, it really opened my eyes. And this project that we're working on now was another one that I had that kind of epiphany. Okay. Okay. That during the filming of it, I went, you know, this this is really important. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be on this project. Nice. All right. Nice. Nice. Uh, that's why I like talking to you about, uh, with movies, especially with you, Cole, because it has a sense of importance to it, even though it seems like it's a frivolous activity. There are some things that are almost seems that needs to be necessary to show. Yeah, and it's, it's so cool because it's such a uh, – I have a film degree as well as an archaeology degree. And so that film degree, we got to learn a lot of film history. Yeah, The movies originally were theater for the poor. Right, because legitimate theater was considered high class, right? Yeah, and, and filmmaking was this thing that was looked down upon. It was for the unwashed masses to go – see a film <laughs> see normal activities right yeah yeah and i mean i i i really connect with that because it was a way that uh for people you know that didn't want to go to the opera and didn't have the education to um appreciate fully what the opera was you know being an italian or german or whatever that they could go to the silent film and they could experience the exact same story that somebody halfway across the world did. That's nice. Because there was no language involved other than the cinematic language. Well, I, 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 I love that about films. I love that perspective. I've, I kind of forgot about that, when you, you, especially, if we, especially when you go through film history, that you kind of forget that it was just for public mass consumption. Yeah, and, and it's... The reason it worked that way was because it's such an easy medium to ingest. Yes. You know, it's it's flickering pictures and it's sound. And it's it's not all the boring parts in between of the scene changes and everything. It's here is your story. You know, it's a half an hour, it's two hours, it's whatever. And that's the story that's been told to you. And it's just the important bits. So before we go, Cole, and uh, gosh, I, I'm great. I love talking to with you. But um, one thing I, I've learned a great deal about is make your mistakes. Absolutely. Go ahead and make mistakes. You're you going to make them. Enjoy them. You will never start out making a good film. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Make your mistakes. Enjoy them. That are going to happen, and have a good laugh about it. But just learn from them, right? Don't do them a third time. <laughs> And the thing is, the, yeah, exactly. The the thing is, be excited about it, too, because show it off to people and go, look at this thing I did. This is real, tangible. I did this. Yes. Right. Yes. And I, It I, sucks, <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> yes. And as soon as you finish a film, you're better than 80% of the people online who claim to be filmmakers. Or just podcast about them, right? Well... <laughs> I'm, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but wholeheartedly, I ever since I've done podcasting and stuff, I have a different perspective of critiquing films. I It is a courageous battle to present things of your creativity and bring it out to the masses for people to watch. It really is, yep. And it's kind of scary and... and adrenaline and all of that when you see an audience sitting in front of a thing that you made yes and it's a little bit exciting when everybody kind of enjoys it and appreciates it yeah so that's that means you've done something right if, if you have a short film with a bunch of jokes in it and they laugh at one joke yeah it's the best feeling <laughs> I'm sure. all of the rest of the jokes that dropped are irrelevant because that one got a real laugh, which means you affected people emotionally. So, Cole, before uh, before we go, is there any kind of movie that you want our listeners to be aware of that you appreciate or enjoy or something to put on the radar to look for? 
I'm a big fan of um, the the kind of mid late seventies um, uh, post apocalyptic dystopian future. Oh yeah, right. Like Omega Man. Omega Man. Um, uh, oh, my brain is skipping. Shoot, um, this happens all the time. As soon as I'm pressed, I can see the pictures in my head. Um, uh, but all those right, those all uh, those cataclysmic. Right. The yeah, Rogan. Soylent Green. Sorry. Um, right. Yes, yes. Logan's Run. You know, all those that genre of film is just my favorite. I heard that they're trying to make a Logan's Run TV show. That'd be interesting. I think it. I think right. I don't. I don't know how long you'd hold off to the big secret, but I like the build up. I like that actually. Yeah, there was a. There was actually a, a Michael Bay film not too long ago. I forget what the title was, but it had Ewan McGregor in it. Ah, uh, the island. The Island, yes. that is Logan's Run. I believe so, right. And note think, for note, that is Logan's Run. <laughs> With explosions. I, so. I remember seeing, watching The Island and going, I've seen this movie. Yeah. You're right, yeah. I've seen this movie. But yes, the late 70s of all this. Well, you talk about it, like the idea, the concept was future shock, that civilization is speeding up to immorality that eventually is just going to consume itself so they had all these great movies like logan's run and saul and green and omega man and everything yeah uh, but then you also had zardoz and barbarella so well yeah you know take but, it for what it's worth right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all, right. all right so well cole well thanks for coming on my podcast and talking about movies this is great yeah, thanks for having me. And you definitely have to uh, come back when the, all the future projects come into fruition. That would be fun. It'd be fun to kind of do a, uh, another kind of follow-up and, you know, possibly even a watch-with kind of thing, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Yes, of course, yeah. All right. Well, Cole, we have something on our podcast. Um, the, uh, the, the show ain't over till the guest says it's over. All right. Thanks, everybody, for spending the time to listen to me ramble, but it's over. (laughs) 